Hello, and welcome to First to 15, the official podcast of USA Fencing. I'm your host, Brian Wendell, and in this show, you're going to hear from some of the most inspiring, interesting, and insanely talented people in this sport we all love. First to 15 is for anyone in the fencing community, and even for those just checking out fencing to see what it's all about. So whether you're an Olympian or Paralympian, a newcomer, a seasoned veteran, a fencing parent, a fan, or anyone else in this wonderful community, this podcast is for you. With that, let's get to today's episode. Enjoy! Today we are thrilled to be talking with none other than Jackie Dubrovich, 2020 Tokyo Olympian and a standout star in women's foil. Jackie hails from the New Jersey Fencing Alliance and is a seasoned competitor in the world of fencing, currently ranked 17th in the entire world in women's foil. We're actually recording this here at Summer Nationals in Phoenix, where Jackie and her women's foil teammates are doing a training camp and a lot of other fun activities, all to get ready for Worlds in Milan, Italy. This is actually Jackie's fourth senior world team, and her track record goes back even further than that, more than a decade, including, I'm looking this up here, three team silver medals, one gold team medal at Junior Cadets, and then a team bronze in 2019 at Senior Worlds, and a team silver last summer. I was lucky enough to see that in Cairo. So welcome to the podcast, Jackie. Thanks for having me. All right. So there's been online a story about kind of your origin in fencing, and it involves like dancing somehow. So mm-hmm. can you tell us like how you got your start and where you know this this came from? Yeah. So when I was younger, I was in dance and gymnastics. I would hardly call myself a dancer or gymnast. <laughs> yeah. When I was younger, I would say I started maybe I was five or six, and I was very always tall, pretty uncoordinated, very lanky, and it just did not fare very well. It was not conducive to my just body type and coordination. So I did not want to continue doing either of those. And I had a cousin who fenced in high school Mm. at Farallon High School in New Jersey has like a very well-developed high school fencing scene. And so my parents tried to, you know, get me into fencing that way Mm -hmm. because it ran in the family and I didn't like it at first. I would say for several years, I was really just purely motivated by winning. That was really why I liked the sport. Is I, I liked the aggressive nature of it. I liked beating up on people, and right. and I didn't really, I guess, I think truly love and appreciate the sport for what it is. Obviously, as I've gotten older, I have you know learned how to really love and appreciate fencing for what it is. But mm-hmm. in the beginning, it was really just about the accolades and the medals and things like that. But obviously, now twenty one years into the sport, it's much more than just about winning. So Yeah, sure. And, you, you know, you've met some great friends along the way. And I mean, going back to what you said, I feel like New Jersey has this high school fencing scene that other states just don't have yet. Mm-hmm. So you were actually fencing like as a class in high school or, or what exactly? How did that work? Yeah. So I was part of the high school fencing program at okay. Pompton Lakes High School for my first two years. So my freshman and sophomore years. And it just became too difficult to balance both the commitments to high school fencing as well as my commitments to the U.S. team um, and also preparing for college. So something kind of just had to give there. And so Mm -hmm. I decided to just seriously pursue, you know, training for the the various cadet and junior teams and also just preparing to get into college. So, but yeah, the New Jersey high school fencing scene, and it's only continued to grow and expand. And at New Jersey Fencing Alliance, you know, my fiance, Brian, works with a lot of members of like the Columbia 
high school fencing team, which mm. that's his alma mater. That's where he went to high school. So it's really cool to see it all come full circle. But yeah. it's really, really great to see that high school fencing really flourishes and you have some of the best talents in fencing come from New Jersey. So it's really yeah. cool to see. For sure. And speaking of some of the best talents from New Jersey, at, at what point did you realize that you know you were ready to take that next step. And maybe even let's start with taking the step to go to a NAC, right? Mm-hmm. Or a summer nationals, which is where we're at right now. When did you realize that I'm ready to see how I fare nationally? And then we'll talk about internationally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say it was, I think, later than most people. And I, and I see now it's so different. You know, parents are really putting their kids into NACs as early as possible and really getting that exposure, you know, as soon as they qualify. Whereas for me, it was a little bit, I think, later than most. I feel like I took my time getting both into the national fencing scene as well as international fencing scene. Mm -hmm. And I remember Miami, I don't even remember what year it was. It was Summer Nationals in Miami. That was my first Summer Nationals. And that was kind of like my first taste of a huge production. And now, you know, seeing what Summer Nationals has evolved into <laughs> compared to what it was like back then. I mean, it's, right. it's so much larger now, but back then I was, you know, very starry-eyed and very excited to be able to compete among the nation's best. And I kind of just continued that. I think I was really inspired there and really thought that I could seriously pursue making those various cadet and junior teams. And that's when I started traveling to all those NACs and kind of the rest is history. Yeah. And one thing I love about fencing tournaments, specifically the ones that, that USA Fencing puts on, is that you know, you do have Olympians in the pool, mm-hmm. right? And I don't think as a youth you could go to a swim meet and like swim against Katie Ledecky. Yeah. But here you could swim against Jackie Dubrovich. <laughs> or you could fence against Jackie Dubrovich. Yes. Excuse me. Um, yeah. maybe, maybe not swim, right? No. <laughs> but so like, did you have a, you say being starstruck, did you have a moment like that where you, someone that you had looked up to, you got to watch them fence or even fence against them at a young age? Yeah, I mean, I was watching all of those, the women's foilists before me, the ones who are making the teams, mm-hmm. you know, some who later became my teammates, like Nazinga Prescott, Nicole Ross, women who have definitely paved the way for future generations and just, you know, being among such talent and then eventually being able to compete alongside them, against them, mm-hmm. be teammates. It's been a really long, beautiful journey to this point. That's great. And we talked in the intro about your first world championship medal, which was in 2011 Mm -hmm. in the team event. What was that like getting that maybe validation of Mm -hmm. all the hard work and just sharing that with your teammates? Yeah, it was. Boy, that was a long time ago. (laughs) It's been a while. Yeah, no, it definitely feels amazing to be able to work together, work towards a common goal. I mean, I think fencing is very unique in that it's an individual sport at its core, right? You mm-hmm. are really going, just it's you versus your opponent. And to have kind of this almost like recalibration where you have to still have those like individualistic instincts, but then in a team environment, it's very unique. And so yeah. I think most fencers are pretty like fiercely independent, individualistic. And then to be able to put all those people together and work towards a common goal and then ultimately succeed is a very beautiful thing. I think, yeah, fencing is very unique in that way. And I've spoken to a lot of friends in other different sports and they are kind of like confused at how, you know, you can go one day fencing against this person and, you know, going as hard as you can, screaming and yelling and fighting for every touch. And then the very next day you're on the same team together and you're fencing another country and you're trying to, to win the gold medal. So it is very, very unique. And so when it, all that hard work and dedication comes together, it's really amazing. 
Yeah, and that's what I love about the team event too is it it really does bring together a lot of people with different styles. Mm -hmm. And so when our women's foil team right now is amazing and you're a big part of that. And so when you're out there, what are you trying to accomplish? What do you feel like you're bringing mm -hmm. to that team of three or four going against you know some of the other best women in the world? Yeah, I think our team is very unique because you have myself and Lee who are now the older women, the veterans, the ones who've had a lot of experience on the senior circuit who have competed in Tokyo together. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have kind of the new generation, that new crop of talent coming in. And so it's amazing to be able to work together. And like you said, we have very different styles, different personalities. But um, I would say for me personally, what I bring is kind of like that veteran mentality, being able to kind of be a role model to the younger girls as well as support them, help them because, you know, senior level fencing is very different than junior level fencing. I sure. think there's a lot of stress and just things that you learn along the way as you get older on the circuit. I think that Lee and I can just impart to the younger generation. And I think um, personally, like my style, I'm very physically aggressive. I have like, a, I think a pretty physical presence on the strip. I bring mm -hmm. a lot of intensity, a lot of drive, a lot of passion. And so I think that is a big part of what I can bring to the team is that drive and that intensity that hopefully inspires my teammates as well. Yeah, for sure. And at the same time, the other dynamic is that at the same time that you're inspiring them, you also have that crop who is in some way also trying to like bump you out of your position for too, sure. right? Yeah. Because there's only four spots. Yep. There's only three that are going to compete in the individual event in Milan, for example. So how do you stay at the top of your own game and yeah. You know, you mentioned that you're, you know, one of the elder states women at yeah. this point, but you're only 29, so, or you're turning 29. Turning right? 29, yes. So, they they always tell me how old I am. Those younger, the younger <laughs> girls on the team, they make me feel like I'm much older than 29. But so, how do you keep the intensity that you need to stay in that position? Yeah, it's hard sometimes, you know, being on the circuit for now, you know, like fencing competitively for 21 years, right? It can be very mentally, physically, emotionally exhausting. And I mm -hmm. think as someone who really thrives in that kind of environment where there is all that intensity and, and passion and aggressiveness, I think sometimes, you know, you can't always bring that every single time you compete. You can try to strive for it, but it is mm -hmm. very hard and it is a very long, arduous season to like during the Olympic qualification season. So I just try to tell myself to bring that as much as I can. If there are any tournaments that are duds and I don't do as well as I'd like, you know, I learn from them and I, I try to tell myself to not take each loss so hard mm -hmm. because of, I think, just naturally I'm this very passionate person. It can really propel me and really be one of the key drivers of my success, but it can also kind of be my Achilles heel and it can be, you know, tough because I take each loss very hard. So mm -hmm. I kind of have to have that balance just to remind myself. And yeah, I would say and I think also, you know, just like we were talking about having that experience, yeah. I think, you know, I've been to an Olympics, I've been at world championships, I've been in all these different scenarios and team events and individual events where I've kind of gleaned and learned from those experiences. And I'm able to apply those solutions or things that I've learned now to future mm -hmm. competitions. And so I think that is also a pretty big advantage. That's why you see sometimes on the circuit, women who maybe are 
older and are fencing maybe like a, a physically more dominant, faster, stronger, younger fencer, but the older fencer wins, a lot of times it mm-hmm. is attributed to like that, that experience that they have garnered throughout the years. And sure. so I think being older is not always too bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You talked about the grueling season and the fact that there are just so many events. You guys are always on the road, it seems like. Yeah. What is a maybe typical training day or training week like for you? Yeah, it's hard when it's we're traveling so much right now. I would say when we're kind of ramping up into the season, I'm training, you know, five days a week. It consists of strength and conditioning sessions. I take private lessons. I do general body maintenance work. So maybe not like going to the gym and doing weights, but things that are kind of freestanding, but just making sure that my joints and everything is firing correctly, mm-hmm. footwork, drills, situational bouting, and then fencing competitively. So it's pretty intense, but it, it gets pretty difficult when we are traveling so much. Women's yeah. Foils had a particularly grueling stretch here where we had one of our competitions move to the end of the season. And so it's been really tough. We haven't really had much of a break. And so I think during this time period, it's... um just knowing that you're confident in your abilities, you're not going to change that much in this stretch of time. So just making sure you're taking care of your body, eating well, mm-hmm. resting, recovering, I think making sure that your body is okay and because you're putting so much stress on it is like the number one focus right now. Yeah. And then there's the other half of the game, which is the mental side, right? Mm-hmm. So do you have like a ritual or something that you do to get yourself mentally prepared mm-hmm. for a World Cup, Grand Prix, or even Worlds coming up in the mm-hmm. Yeah, I've tried throughout my career like various different techniques and methods. What I have found that works really well for me personally is to kind of just shut myself off from everybody else. Mm-hmm. I kind of like to just have my space, put my headphones on, kind of be in that really super focused mode and not really, you won't find me really talking very much to other people, like laughing, joking around. I have a very serious face when I'm competing. Does that start the morning of? (laughs) Yeah, I would say morning of. It's a little bit different than the team event, but when it's the individual event, I am very much just kind of to myself. And I find that that's a better headspace for me to be in when I want to compete my best. And what's going through, so I never was an elite athlete, so what's like going through your mind at that point? Are you visualizing what's mm-hmm. going to happen? Are you, you know, going through some checklists in your mind? Like what is happening? I would say for me, what goes through my head is just trying to remain very present in the moment. I think okay. I am like, sometimes you get those intrusive thoughts. Let's say sure. you fenced I had this happen to me this season where I had fenced a competitor on the circuit and I'd lost to her in the Mm -hmm. round of 32 at a competition and I was facing her again. And then for me, you know, it's you sometimes in the back of your head, you start hearing those voices. Oh, you lost to her. Like, you know, you can't do this. And you start to kind of almost psych yourself out. Mm -hmm. And so I really tried to just like be very present, just like listen to music, kind of shut myself off from my surroundings and hopefully those voices in my head that are telling me all these things and just really like focus at the task at hand. I Mm -hmm. think I'm a pretty focused, determined individual. And so when I'm able to just focus on what's in front of me and not take any of those other things into consideration, it usually works out pretty well for me. Yeah. And so I also wonder in those moments, are you talking with your coach at all? Mm -hmm. Like, or are you just like, this is not the time when I want to have that dialogue. Yeah. I usually would only talk to Brian, who's my coach, Ralph as well. Um, But I don't really like to go to like 
teammates for advice if they've maybe fenced that fencer in pools or fenced them at a previous competition. I have found that, you know, we all are different fencers. We have different styles. We have different approaches. And so what may work for one fencer may not work for another. And I don't really want to adapt my game to what somebody else's experience was like. So I really just try to only talk to Brian, my coach who knows my fencing the best, and also Ralph as well, the national coach. And then I just kind of stay to myself (laughs) other than that. So you mentioned your coach and he's also your fiance. Mm -hmm. So what's that dynamic like? Because, you know, that obviously isn't the case with every coach athlete where they also are, you know, partners (laughs) in life as well, right? Yeah. It's a very complicated dynamic and it's one that I constantly have to work at Mm -hmm. because it's just tough. You know, when Brian is yelling at me, you know, in a, in a fencing bout, I need to remind myself and it's kind of hard sometimes in the moment that he's not yelling at me as my partner. He's yelling at me as my coach. And so it's sometimes those wires do get crossed and it is, it is difficult. I mean, it's also the coolest thing to be able to experience this with my significant other. It's such a unique experience. We'll be able to tell our kids about this one day. And I hope he enjoys it. I know it's stressful, (laughs) but I do very much enjoy this experience with him. But I do think it's, you know, it's constant work. I mean, a relationship is constant work, but I think this is also just like such a unique circumstance to be in because it is so stressful. And now we're in the Olympic, you know, qualifying period. And Mm -hmm. so that adds like another 10 layers of stress on top of everything. But I think he's, you know, he's a fantastic coach and I've learned so much from him working with him in this quad that I wouldn't have asked for, you know, couldn't have asked for a better coach. So are there times when the two of you are able to turn off the fencing mind and just like, you know, veg out or talk about something else? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like a requirement, I think, in our our household. It Um, seems healthy. Yeah. (laughs) It's very much necessary. And I mean, there's times where we'll like watch like fencing video at home, but that would be the only time I think that I ever really feel like there's like a crossover between fencing and in our home life. Okay. In our home life, we do just try to not talk about fencing all the time because it can be very all-consuming. Sure. Especially because, you know, now before I was working full-time and then I recently in January of this year just transitioned to training full-time for Paris. And so Mm -hmm. it can feel very all-consuming to just talk about fencing and every part of my day and only be focusing on fencing. And so we do make a very conscious effort to enjoy each other and not just talk about fencing. I mean, and meanwhile, you're right about like what a great experience because you're getting to not only have the the fencing experience together, but also travel the world, you know, so that seems like an extra bonus. Yes, it definitely is. And we're, we're taking full advantage of it for sure. Yeah. I love that. So we talked about Team USA and kind of the dominance that women's foil has had and the fact that you and your teammates are always in the the conversation um, to medal everywhere you go. In fact, if you don't medal at a world cup (laughs) that, you know, might be seen as a disappointment, right? I mean, let's be honest. So What is it like having that pressure where, you know, anything but a medal is Mm -hmm. seen as maybe uh, a failure? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for us, we don't really think about it that much. Mm -hmm. I think if we go in, we have a good mindset, we're prepared, we fence like we are capable of fencing, we can do incredible things and we can win gold medals. But, you know, we're also very cognizant that somebody may not have a good day and we may need the other teammates to step in and to take the lead and take charge there. But I've never felt that 
there's, we're nervous. I think we have a really good mix of personalities, people that can kind of lighten the mood. We're feeling nervous. If we need to be super focused at the task at hand, we also have other people who can kind of redirect the attention that way. Mm -hmm. And Ralph does a fantastic job as a national coach leading us as well. So I think, I mean, in the back of our head, like, of course, when we're thinking about Milan, we want to win and we know that it's going to be very intense. It's the last world championships before the Olympics. Yeah. It's in Italy, right? We frequently go head to head against Italy in the gold medal match. Home field. For yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there is that. That's always in the back of your head. But sure. like the mindset that I have when I fence individual events as well is that like you have to just be present, be in the moment. Don't let those thoughts kind of creep in and just focus on being there with my teammates. And also, I think as somebody who's like closer to the end of her career than the beginning, I have definitely learned to appreciate this journey very much. And so I really try to kind of tell myself like, wow, if you take a step back, you know, you're at the world championships. This yeah. is the pinnacle you know, other than the Olympics, but like this is the pinnacle of sport and you are one of the people that's representing the U.S. Like really take it in and soak in the experience because not everybody will be able to say that they experienced that. And I think that also kind of helps my mindset a little bit as well. You mentioned Ralph and so that's women's foil national coach, Ralph mm -hmm. Bisdorf. And is there something that you feel like he's taught you or like a, a tactic or a way of thinking mm -hmm. that has really stood out and you feel like helped your your team game, your individual game, whatever. Yeah, I really like Ralph is very matter of fact. Mm. He will tell you exactly what he sees. And he is always able to frame things in like a really obvious way that you're like, huh, you know, why was I freaking <laughs> out about things so much? Like, that's a really great perspective. And that's a really great way to kind of recalibrate my thinking. Mm -hmm. I tend to be more pessimistic than optimistic and it's just like very innate to me and it's so ingrained in me and I have to actively work on it and Ralph makes it much easier because if I go to him and I talk to him after an individual loss or if I do really well on team he just always knows the right thing to say hmm. whether it's a tactical thing or just like a human thing like when he's like you fenced really really well today I'm really proud of you like he just knows exactly what to say in those moments and so I really appreciate that. That's cool. That's definitely a, a skill, I feel like, as a coach that, you know, knowing, because he probably has 50 thoughts going through his head, and he's <laughs> yeah. like, which one of these is the right for this, what's the right move in, in this moment, right? Yeah, and I think he's also, like I said, very, very straight to the point. I, I'm someone who is just appreciates honesty. I don't really like floweriness and yeah, I just yeah. want you to tell me like it is, and I can take it, the good and the bad. Right. And he does that, so I appreciate it very much. So moving to summer nationals, we're here in Phoenix when we're recording this. And one of the many things on your schedule is this mm -hmm. Fence with Olympians mm -hmm. clinic. And I mean, just the photos tell a lot of the story there, which is that, you know, there's these little kids who are most of them foil or all of them foil fencers, mm -hmm. I guess, right? Yep, and yep. They, they're able to learn from you and Lee and the other women who are here. And what is that experience like for you, though? Because mm -hmm. obviously you can see their smiles that yeah. it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for them. But are you getting something out of that, too? Yeah, for sure. We always look forward to this clinic every year. I think personally for me, I, you know, I feel very strongly that when I do retire from the sport, I think it's very important to be like, remain in the sport in some capacity, whether that's like a mentor. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I can bring a lot of, of my experience and talk to these 
female athletes, whether they sure. want to go to an elite level or they're just uh, fencing for fun or they're mm -hmm. just fencing to get into college. And to be able to see the impact of just like this one hour of time where we, you know, we may teach them some tangible fencing things, but it's just like the interaction, being able to see like their eyes grow wide when they see us or when we have the Q&A session and they ask us all these questions about our lives and right. our experiences in the sport. You can see that it truly impacts people. And so I think that's like the most beautiful thing is being able to give back to a sport that has given me so much. Yeah. And that segues really well because you talk about, you know, once your career is done that you want to continue giving back. Well, Obviously, there's a lot more to do before that point yeah. happens. So what, what are some of your goals for your fencing career? Yeah, I would love for us to win the gold medal in the team event in Paris. I think we've done a lot of work to get to this point. And there's still a lot more work to be done. It's an always evolving process. But mm -hmm. I think we have a really good shot. I think our track record, this quad has proven that we are able to medal and we are also able to win. And so that would be unbelievable. I mean, I missed out on a team medal in Tokyo. We lost in the bronze medal match to Italy. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely a very difficult thing to come home to and took right. some time to to work through that. And then I, I you know, I really want to fence um, the individual event in Paris and just give it my absolute best and mm -hmm. be able to implement all the things that I've been working on with Brian and throughout my whole career and just, you know, have an incredible tournament. And then, yeah, we'll see after that. But first, just looking at Paris. That's, that's great. And that's a good place to leave it. Well, Jackie Dubrovich, thank you so much yeah. for, for joining me and sharing some of your stories and experiences. Have fun the rest of this week in, in Phoenix, and then good luck in Milan and beyond. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks for listening to First to 15, the official podcast of USA Fencing. We'll be back with our next conversation in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, you can stay up to date on all the latest fencing news by following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you like this podcast, please help us grow and reach more people by leaving us a rating or review. Until next time, I'm Brian Wendell, and I hope to see you real soon out on the strip. Bye.